0: Well, I want to thank uh, Luke and Phyllis and Doug for all their scrambling this morning when you come in and find out screens and tech stuff isn't working quite the way it was last week and quite the way it was during the week. and you come in and find something different? And uh, Phyllis reminded me, I think we're uh, two Easter's in a row where that's happened to us. (laughs) So, but that's all right. There was a... uh, I'll, I'll get there. I'll explain it here in a few moments. There's about a five-minute video that I was going to show, um, so I'm going to sign that as homework. Um, don't worry. I don't think that means you're going to necessarily get out five minutes early. Um, we'll fill that time. What is your favorite tradition of celebrating Easter, either with church or family? And you can just yell them out. Sunrise service. All right, we got a second for that. All in, no. Other favorite traditions? Gatherings, Gatherings, family gatherings, all right. Big dinner. Big dinner. (laughs) Say that one again. Hunting Easter eggs, all right. I'll say, uh, as a little kid, my favorite part, um, the church that I grew up in, kids on Easter got, Penny, what were they? The chocolate crosses. And they were made out of a Snickers bar in a Milky Way and you took them and you melded them together and then you took uh, some, some icing and, and piped on some uh, flowers all around it. And all of the children got one of these and it was wonderful. And when I got too old to receive one of those chocolate crosses, <laughs> it was quite tragic. And every once in a while my, my mom will still kind of make them for us as a special treat but that is one thing I have etched in my memory. Um, I also remember the sunrise services, uh, complete with donuts and um, fruit salad. It was the same thing every year. Um, when, we, when we moved... Oh, there were always eggs. I, sorry, I actually don't remember the eggs. As, as a little kid, I must have skipped the eggs. Um but it's one of the things that when we, when we moved to Pennsylvania and uh, the church there had sunrise service and breakfast, but they didn't have donuts and the fruit salad. It, it's like when you go to another church and find out they don't have the exact same uh, love feast soup recipe. And you think that, wow, I'm not really sure if we can continue to, to go here. Um, those are some memories I have etched in my memory. And of course, one of the things that I always look forward to on Easter is the hymns and the songs of Easter. And even though we might sing some of those hymns at other times throughout the year, there's something about singing it on Resurrection Sunday and just uh, feeling the, the power and the strength of those words. And I think, you know, folks sing out a little bit extra on those mornings So I really appreciate those memories and those traditions. The resurrection is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal to our faith. The cross and resurrection are essentially intertwined in our faith. It's not really one or the other, but cross and resurrection tied together, both bringing about new life. So, the resurrection is really where a new world, a new creation, a new something is beginning. And it begins here at resurrection. As we take a look at that this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for sun overcoming darkness. Thank you for our time here. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, our Easter story, the scripture that was read this morning is probably familiar to to many of you. You've heard the story over, there are familiar details. Mary Magdalene comes to put spices on the body now that the Sabbath is over. She finds the tomb empty. She goes and tells the disciples, Peter and John have this foot race to the tomb to to verify what Mary has shared. John wins the race to the tomb but doesn't go in. Peter enters the tomb first. I would love to know all of the significance of why John throws in this detail. Does he just want us to know that he's a little faster than Peter? I think there's probably something else going on there. But Peter enters the tomb first. He's the first one to see, the first one to confirm that the tomb is empty. We're told the details of the grave clothes lying there. John is, is helping, us, helping to highlight for us that the resurrection has happened. Following the days of the resurrection, rumors started to be spread. Um, alternative truths start going around that the body has just been Stolen. But John puts in uh, or highlights this detail that the grave clothes are left behind. Any grave robber that would have gone in and stolen the body of Jesus wouldn't have stopped to unwrap the corpse and take the body out. They would have taken everything out, including the grave clothes. And so when John highlights that those clothes were still there, we saw them laying there, he's highlighting no one stole the body. None of these rumors that you're hearing are true. Jesus has risen. So there is on one level uh, this event of what is happening, the real experiences of Mary, John, Peter, and then as we see in Scripture, many others who experience the the risen Jesus, who eat with him, who walk with him, who spend uh, the next 40 days fellowshipping and and continuing to learn from him. But with John, as through all of John's gospel, there's always another level of what's happening. And I wanna focus in on this other level of what John is talking about and some of the ways he wants our minds to think as he highlights certain details in the story. And so what John is telling us is the launching of creation 2.0. In verse 1, we heard read, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, kind of we pass over that detail, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. See, the early church, when they start to recite their faith, when they start to develop statements of faith, they're always talking about the third day, which is true. Three days, he's in the tomb, and on the third day, he rises. But each of the Gospels doesn't start with the three days following. They start with on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, something special is happening on the first day of the week. And John kind of highlights this extra detail while it was still dark. When Matthew, Mark, and Luke share this story, they don't highlight that detail in the same way. Matthew says, as the first day of the week was dawning. Mark says, when the sun had risen, S-U-N had risen. Luke says, at early dawn. Now, John's not trying to uh, conflict with the others, but in typical John fashion, there's something deeper. There's another level of what's happening that John wants us to see and have highlighted. We go back to the very beginning, John chapter 1, what we call the prologue to John. He starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we're told that everything that exists has been made through him. And so John wants to take us back to the very beginning. Before the first word of creation is spoken, Jesus, the word, is there, is with God and is God, and Jesus, the word, is involved in the very breathing and creating force of the cosmos. John is going back to that. He wants our minds to remember back. This is a new first day of the week. And just as darkness was at the beginning of everything, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, or empty and waste, and darkness hovered. We see at the beginning the uncreated earth covered in chaotic, watery darkness. And just as at the very beginning of creation, darkness covered the earth, so now from the crucifixion until this first day of a new week, darkness covers the earth. And a new creation is dawning. I want you to think about some other details here that John highlights. Where was the tomb that Jesus was placed in? Remember where the tomb is at? What kind of setting is the tomb in? It's in a garden. It's in a garden. What happens back in Genesis? What does God do? He creates a garden. It's not a mistake that the tomb now is in a garden. In fact, John is going to keep repeating that word garden so you get the point. In John 19:41, we're told, "Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid." And so we're back where first creation started, chaotic darkness. But lo and behold, there is a garden, and in the garden is the Word made flesh. Paul will call Jesus the new Adam, or the second Adam. The first Adam was put into the garden to tend and take care and to bring further creative order to God's good creation. The first human ones are set there to be co-creators, co-organizers, co-stewards of God's good creation, put there to be in perfect relationship and continue the good work that God had started. Now the new Adam, or second Adam, is recognized. Mary turns around, and what does she think Jesus is? A gardener. She's not mistaken. We have to think, oh well, she, she really got things mixed up there. No, there's a new gardener. There's a new Adam. There's a new creation afoot. But now the seeds of a new creation and new life, a new way of life in connection to the will of the Father are beginning to spring forth in Jesus. And this way of life that Jesus is opening up this new creation we might call eternal life, are beginning to connect in the here and the now. All throughout John's writings, he's he's highlighting this newness, this new creation, this new thing that is happening. In John's uh, revelation in 21 verse 1 to 5, we hear this, John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. When we hear that, um, seas were uh, representative of chaos and, and disorder and things that are opposed to God. And so here in this new heavens and new earth, there is no longer anything chaotic or opposing God. And I saw the holy city And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. This later writing from John is giving us a glimpse of everything being finally and completely made right. God's entire reign, the fullness of it, coming to bear. This is the fruition of the seed planted in the garden tomb that on Resurrection Sunday bursts forth with life. This is what happens when the gardener, tending and cultivating, pruning and weeding, is finally realized by all as the king Well, this week, a a video came across my email, and herein enters your homework. Um, Go to the Bible, uh, it's bibleproject.com, and it should be on their homepage. The first page that you get to is a new video they just put out about eternal life. And what this video does is it traces how this idea of eternal life or or literally, life unto the ages, how that idea kind of progresses throughout Scripture, and how this eternal life is, is unfolding and weaving, and we live now in a time that is ultimately ruled by death, but because of Jesus, God's eternal life reaches in, and touches, and connects, And God's eternal life is not just something to be experienced when this age ends, but is something that begins to connect. We begin to see glimpses of. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven is like, we get to start to see that world intersecting in the here and the now. So I encourage you this afternoon, Maybe after your, your large dinner and your family gathering and you know recovering from the large dinner, pull it up on your on your phone or your tablet or your computer and see how this, this idea of eternal life gets woven throughout Scripture. It begins to connect here at the first resurrection as a new world, as a new creation is birthed forth. Jesus, buried like a seed in the garden tomb. Jesus, on the first day of the week, the first day of a new creation, conquers the darkness, steps into the darkness, brings light, brings the sun, launches something new. And that something new is something that we are invited to participate in, both now and life unto the ages, God's eternal life. You and I are invited to participate in that through the life, through the death, and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning we are celebrating the resurrection It is about celebrating God in Jesus, conquering the final foe in death. It's about the chaotic darkness of uncreation that covered the earth for three days, giving way to the rising of the sun on the first day of a new week. It's about a new garden and a new order, a new age being brought to bear even now. Elsewhere in John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This eternal life connects to this current age of death through Jesus. This life under the ages being pulled down and at points we can connect now but can ultimately connect when God brings the current age to an end And the life unto the ages is brought to completion. And so the resurrection is something that happened. It's something that Mary got there, finds an empty tomb, she goes and she tells, announces to the disciples, John and Peter race to get there, John wins the race, Peter enters the tomb, grave clothes were left behind, and then a gardener, but more than a gardener, is there. He says Mary's name, she recognized her beloved teacher raised to new life and witnesses interacted with Jesus in the resurrected flesh in the days that followed and and John tells us that Jesus did so much that he's never going to be able to fill all the books to contain all the things that Jesus did and so it happened a real resurrection happened but also the resurrection is continuing to usher in a new age a life under the ages, eternal life, through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. We have seen what it looks like to live in the pattern of life connected to God. The penalty for choosing good and bad for ourselves, that, that first Adam has the choice. and He chooses to eat from the tree of knowing good and bad, deciding for himself what good and bad are. The penalty for choosing good and bad for ourselves, living strictly on our own terms, selfish terms, at odds with God and with others, has been paid by Jesus taking the place of sinners. And the resurrection has conquered the final enemy, which is death. This is good news, amen? So whether you're hearing this news announced for, some of you, 90 plus years worth of resurrection Sundays, or if this is the first time this is needed news, the resurrection, the dawning of a, of a new creation, life eternal, is, is needed good news. Because if I turn on my TV and watch the news, I see details of War and death in Ukraine. We continue to be in some state of limbo as a the pandemic is kind of past, but not really past, and there's these lingering effects around us. Economies are messed up. Interpersonal relationships strained by a couple of years of not being with one another. Mental stress and fatigue rampant all throughout our society. Political animosity at all-time highs... But these are part of the stuff that is in the current age, the age that will pass away. That doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that it's suddenly easier. It doesn't mean that Christ followers aren't called to speak and act in these situations. In fact, you and I are called to continue to demonstrate the kingdom or to speak breathe and act in ways that announce and demonstrate the life under the ages, the eternal life or the reign of God. But we also really need some good news. That Jesus has won the victory. The old is passing away. Behold, all things can and will be made new. This eternal life Life under the ages that will someday be complete is beginning to break through. And it begins in the garden on the first day of the week as the sun overcomes the darkness. May the resurrection news continue to bring you hope. May we learn to place our faith, hope, and trust in the gardener. In the one who has launched a new creation, the one who died in our place, and the one who has overcome sin, death, and the grave, Jesus the Christ. May we live as people who announce and demonstrate what the reign of God looks like even in the here and now. And through Jesus, may we come into the life under the ages, God's life, the life eternal. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to rise in body or spirit and turn in your brown hymnal to number 367 as we sing, Christ the Lord is risen today.